Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Hallelujah. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture in your hearing. And then we're going to pray together in Romans 12, verse 18. The Bible says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Peace Doesn't Come Easy All the Time. Oh, if I had five people that were awake, peace, how, how many people are alive and know that peace doesn't come easy all the time? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. God, I pray now that you'd anoint my mouth and my mind to say the things only that would glorify you, God. Say the things that would be sound doctrine. I pray that you would speak to us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, for your purpose, amen. Peace doesn't come easy all the time. I've been saying for years that what the average person needs more than anything else, uh, talking about Christians, is about three good days where nothing goes wrong. How great would that be? If you could have three good days with no aches, no pains, and nobody bothering you. Anybody want to sign up for that right now? If I could bottle that and sell that, we could build the new community center in the open field this week. But peace just doesn't come easy easy all the time. I believe life, if everything in life went our way, life would be easy. If people just left us alone, if, if, if we all even learned how to put everyone else's comfort in front of ours. You remember that old acronym that they used to teach in vacation Bible school for joy? How many remember how, how to spell joy? Tell them, Miss Judy. See, there it is. Jesus. Now, that's the, that's the value of being in church your whole life right there. You know stuff. Jesus, then others, and then you. But how many of y'all know we don't do that? Uh, if, if, we had to, if we had to spell that word out, how would we even spell that word out? Just you. I, th- I think just you. I, I, I mean, we, we might throw a Jesus in there every now and then. We might throw others in there every now and then, but that's not easy to do either. But let me tell you something. Life's not about being easy. If you lived past two years old and your parents didn't explain that to you, please let me apologize on their behalf. If you made it out of preschool and no one taught you that life wasn't designed to be easy, let me apologize to you on their behalf. They should have prepared you better. If you're still getting triggered because life's not fair, let me apologize to all your mentors, for all your mentors in life, because they didn't prepare you well for life because all the grown people in the room already know it ain't easy all the time. And people don't make it easy all the time. And listen, sometimes we don't make it easy on ourselves. I've been telling you for years, who typically, let me see if anybody knows, who typically is our own worst enemy? We are ourselves. We don't always make it easy on ourselves. So this morning we're going to look at some scripture on how to deal with conflict 
for the purpose of conflict resolution with uh, a couple of different types of people. Because I told you what we need is peace. We, we need to be at peace with people all the time, but that's not always easy. And sometimes this, this takes certain effort, and the Bible always has the answer. Amen? Now, there's two types of people in the world, and it's not what the media wants you to think it is. It's not Democrats and Republicans, because there's some independents in the world. And there's some people that don't care in the world. It's not whites, blacks, Hispanics. There's, there's two types of people in the world uh, on, on the big picture, on, on the spiritual realm, and those two types of people are saved and what? Saved and unsaved, Christians and non-Christians. And every person on this planet falls into one of those two categories. You are either a Christian or you're not. Now, it would be awesome if we could just all stand up right now. Now, don't do it, but if we could all stand up and just get on the right side. Amen? If I said, let's just get all the real Christians on one side of the room and all the non-Christians on the other side of the room, then I could streamline. He's moving already. I could streamline <laughs> the, 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 the direction of this message. But how many of y'all know that you're sitting in a section with some who is and some who ain't? Mm. Don't get tense on me yet. We haven't even got to the tense part yet. Y'all keep smiling. I'll let you know when to frown. So you got to figure out which one of these two people you are so you can help me to deal with you. You got to let me know when you come at me which one you are. Just tell me straight up out the gate. I ain't one of them saved people. Okay. Well, hell will be your portion forever. So do to me what you want to do to me. Uh, but you got to figure out for yourself. And life would be so much easier on people if they would just admit it. If they, you know, I believe some of the most miserable people in the world are people who come to church all the time and know they're lost. Some people who come to church all the time and hate being there. People who come to church for the wrong reasons and don't really love Jesus. They're, they're, they are a, listen, they are literally a square peg trying to go into a round hole. And, and, and here's what it feels like when you try to put a square peg into a round hole. Like someone's beating you on the top of the head, splintering your head and the hole all at the same time. So you, you got to decide for yourself where you are. But these two types of people, the Bible tells us how to deal with them. So let's look at the word because the word always has the answer. Amen. In our text, in Romans chapter 12, I'm going to go back a few verses, set some context for you. In verse 14, the Bible says, bless those who persecute you, period. You got to always pause on what? Always pause on the punctuation. When you're reading, pause on the punctuation. It will help you slow down and take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. It will help you digest the Word of God so you can understand it more clearly because it's great to read the Bible, but it's better to understand what you read. And it's awesome to apply the things you understand that you've read. So bless those who persecute you. Whoa! Isn't that exciting? Who's ready? You ready to go out and bless everybody who's talking trash about you? Because I told y'all, Gatorade is free, or Haterade is free, and they've been pouring it every day for, for centuries. And there are haters out there, and the haters aren't going anywhere, and the haters are going to multiply. But what did Jesus tell his followers? He said, marvel not if the world hate you, they hated me first. Okay, so you're always going to have haters. 
And, and, and you can listen to cool, catchy, trendy preachers who'll tell you stuff like, let your haters be your motivators. But that's, that's not biblical. Um, that, that's spiteful. And, and we're, God doesn't want us to do things out of spite. You shouldn't have haters being your motivator. You ought to have God's spirit being your motivator. Any, anybody say amen to that? But God has commanded us to bless those who persecute you. I want to say right off the bat, that is not in my DNA. Anybody with me on that? Anybody? With rest of y'all? Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Sometimes old alcoholics just have to drink even if it's water. <laughs> on stuff like that. That's not in my, If that's in your DNA, God bless you. You're special. And you still believe in the Easter Bunny. Don't, and then it says, don't curse them. I'm glad it didn't put a period there. It's kind of a keep rolling. This is a semicolon. Don't curse them. Now, I can say I, I, I'm free from that. Some of y'all not free from that. We all got our issues. I got my own issues. You got your own issues. So I, I've had people ask me, they like, Pastor, pray for me. I'm trying to stop cussing. And the thought in my mind is, well, then just stop. But I know that just because that's not a hard issue for me, but, but how many of y'all know? Uh, and I can give you a display of it. I'll put it on display if you want me to. I can cuss you out without cussing. Anybody with me on that? I mean, so, but don't, God is commanding us how to deal with people that in this context are mostly unsaved. They, they persecute you. He says, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. That is no one's default switch but Jesus. That is not your default switch. I don't care how holy you are. I don't care how far baptized you are. I don't care how much tongues you talk in, how much you roll on the ground and throw money in the air. That is not your default switch. We were not raised to be that way. We, we, we just don't be like, oh, I can't wait to pray for all those people that are doing me wrong. Now, if you've grown into that, you learn that in the spirit realm. But you didn't come out of your mama's womb just being all sweet, kind, and cuddly to people who were trying to do you harm. But this is the way of the Lord. And if you learn anything today, I want you to understand this. God's ways are different. Say different. God's ways are not man's ways. When we come into the kingdom of God, there is a mandate on us as citizens of the kingdom of God to live by kingdom rule. Amen? And this is kingdom rule in verse 15 it says be happy with those who are happy comma now why would we have to pause on that because God wants us to because it's not always easy to be happy for people who are happy I see it on Wednesday nights on Wednesday nights when we have testimony time and people share what God is doing because I've always said the more you brag on what God is doing in your life, the more he'll give you to brag on him about. And it typically ends up being the same handful of people. And I see certain people. Now, I'm going to out you right now. Hey, if the shoe fits, just open your mouth wide and let me shove it all the way to the back of your mouth. But I see people roll their eyes and get upset. There she go again. Oh, what? She got another raise? Oh, I guess. Oh, they do. Oh, oh. Something else went good for them, what? 
if you're so bitter in your, in, in your difficulty that you can't rejoice for those who rejoice, then you're not ready to have good things happen to you. We got to learn as the family of God, we got to learn as believers to be thankful, to be happy for people who are happy. It, it would be, listen, if we all just shook out of our own misery for one day, we could enter into kingdom living. It says, weep with those who weep. Most people won't weep with those who weep. Why? Because we are selfish by design. Better them than me. And that's the basic mindset. I, I, I've told you all before that your child might, your first word your child said might have been mama or dada, but the first thought in their mind was mine, 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 mine. If you don't believe that, work in any nursery in America. Good Christian parents bring their wonderful, beautiful, little cleaned up church clothes wearing kids to nursery and they scream at other kids all day long. Mine, 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 mine. The selfish nature that is built into the human DNA does not really default us to being happy for people who are happy and weeping with those who are weep. So my question off the bat to you this morning is, do you want to do you or do you want to do what God wants you to do? Because if you want to do what God wants you to do and be who God wants you to be, it's going to take effort. Say effort. Verse 16, oh, and we're getting to it. It says, live in harmony with each other. Man, it's hard enough to live in harmony with yourself. This stuff's getting deeper and deeper. Live in harmony with each other. Can you read that with comprehension and understand that means more than just yourself? That doesn't mean you and those nine personalities you're, you're, you're you know, nurturing all the time inside your... This. Live in harmony with each other. At that point, anybody in the people business is pulling their hair out. Anybody that ever worked with people. Now, if you work in a, in, a, in a cubicle and they leave you alone all day long, and, and if you've got a door that you close and nobody comes in, you should be okay. But if you, could you imagine, listen, some of y'all do call center work. Some people, I know people who've done uh, dealing with customers on a regular basis. Uh, server work, bringing food to people, complaining. Listen, folk will drive you crazy. And if you don't know that you haven't been around, get out every now and then. Uh, open your eyes and look, see what's happening. But the Bible commands us. This is, not, this is not a suggestion. This is a command to live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Now, there's a word in that second sentence in verse 16 that is problematic throughout the earth. Anybody want to guess which word it is? Try again. Proud. Pride, if you study the word pride, if you just do a Google word search of the word pride, if you go to my favorite Bible app, blueletterbible.org, and you just put in proud or pride, you will find out the Bible has a lot to say about it. Why? Because it causes a lot of issues. It causes a lot of issues. And most people are infected with it. And even you passive, listen, passive-aggressive people are more proud than aggressive people. Ah, see all the passive-aggressive people shut up right there. You know why they shut up? Because they're mad. 
because their pride just got exposed. See, aggressive people just get it out and then just go on, slap each other on the back and say it's all good in the neighborhood. Let's get back to work. But passive-aggressive people, once their pride gets stepped on, woo! you got trouble for decades now because they're plotting and scheming on you, but they're not telling anybody. They, 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 who, who sang that song? They smile in your face. Uh, backstabber. OJ, backstabber. They're backstabbers. You don't know. Why? Because they're passive-aggressive. You, you, hey, you step to the wrong person in this room, you'll be able to tell by the look on their face who the aggressive ones are. That one that's like, I'm just humble. No, you false humble. You're passive-aggressive. You're hiding that hatred for years, and God wants to deliver you. And then we get to this last sentence. And it says, and don't think you know it all. So much to preach on right here. We can stay on this forever. So much to preach on. We can stay on this forever. And I want to expose, see, because God's put me in this earth to expose things. When the light comes on, it chases the darkness away. I love baseball stadiums, football stadium lights, big stadium lights. When the lights come on, you can just watch the darkness run away as the light chases the darkness out of the room. And the person who will tell you, it's like if, if I wanted to pick on Deacon Dixon, if I said, you know what, just can't talk to Deacon Dixon because he always thinks he's right. The person that says that, do you know what their real problem is? They think they're right. Well, they just ain't no arguing, Sonia, because she just always thinks she's right. You know what their problem is when they say that about you, Sonia? They think they're right. Everybody in an argument thinks they're right. That's why they're arguing. Can we get to that? So, so stop putting this on other people and realize that nobody knows it all. We talked Wednesday night about... Um, Sound doctrine versus feel-good doctrine. And we talked about growing and what have you changed doctrinally since your salvation. What, have, what did you used to believe, but you learned something, and now you believe a different way. And many people could say nothing. I'm holding on to what mama and them taught me. My first apostle prophetess, Eugenia C. Jenkins, incorporated. She incorporated her own name. Told me when I was five, that's how it was. And haven't learned anything since then. I want to tell you something. We have got to always be learning because none of us know it all. And you've got to be willing to change. You can't walk in kingdom relationship as a proud know-it-all. And if you are pointing your finger at other people who you think are proud know-it-alls, Guess what that makes you? You think you know more than the person that thinks they know it all? I recommend a challenge. I recommend a quiz. I recommend a contest. But we can do that on a Sunday night or Wednesday night. This knowing it all, this pride, is one of, if not the biggest contributor to all conflict. Pride causes conflict. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 13.10. Only by pride 
comes contention. Only by pride comes contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. There are people that you cannot argue with. And if you ever find one of those people, hold on to them. There are people who will not argue back with you. Why? Because it's not in them. It's just not in them. It, it, they're just not proud, contentious people. They've been delivered from that. Most people don't fit into this realm. But people who've been delivered from that are the very few exceptional people who, who were just so well balanced throughout life. Gail was a person like that. It, it was no, nobody. I never met one person ever to this day that ever had an argument, a fight with Gail. I never had a, met one person, including myself, that ever had an argument. She would just laugh. She would just smile and she would just always, there, there was nothing. If you're one of those people to say, well, she made me go off. Not possible. Nobody can make you go off. Well, he, he, he pushed my buttons. Whose buttons? Your buttons. Deal with your buttons. Uh, they may, no, people can't push you into doing something that's not in you to do. All they can do is reveal what's on the inside of you. Because just like a sponge, that example I've showed you before, when a sponge gets squeezed, there's only one thing that can come out of it, and that's what's put in it. If I took a brand new sponge out of a package right now, and I dipped it in purple Kool-Aid, and I held it up and I squeezed it, guess what would come out? Purple Kool-Aid. I can't make red Kool-Aid come out of it unless I put some red Kool-Aid in it. All I can do is reveal what's in it. And listen, when life squeezes us, What's in us comes out. And you need to see what's dripping out of you in the relationships around you so you can let God deal with you. And listen, when I'm saying you, I'm talking to me too. I've said many times that the person I preach to primarily is myself. Y'all get to listen in on what God's doing. But if you find yourself in a conflict with someone, hear me well. There is pride on both sides. Because you can't argue with somebody that won't argue back. If you get in conflict with some, and that's why there's just some people, there are people in this room that, that can just make me want to pull my hair out and bang my head into a wall. There are other people in this room I've never had one sideways look or word at. Because they just didn't come to be contentious. They just didn't come. And, and the Bible says that as the overseer of the church, that I have an obligation to oversee this ministry and give account to God for my oversight. And as the one who is overseen, you have an obligation to God to make it easy on me to oversee you. I'm not going to get into the scripture. Read the Bible for yourself. The Bible says it does not benefit you to be a difficult sheep. Mm, see, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Let's get back into the text. Romans 12, 17 says, never... Pay back evil with more evil. Now, why? The answer is obvious. We do this all the time. Why would God in heaven, with everything he's got going on, I'm talking about the one true God that created everything. I'm talking about the God who flung the stars and the planets into existence. I'm talking about the God who's keeping the, the earth the exact right distance from the sun every second. If we were any closer, we'd burn up. Any further away, we'd freeze to death. I'm talking about God who keeps everything in motion without collision. Why would God, with all he's got to do, take time to put this sentence in the Bible? Why would God tell us to never pay back evil with more evil? Because that's what we do. Because 
if you mess with the bull, you get. And if you don't want none, there won't. That's just how we were raised. That, that, that's just, that's worldly concept. If, if you hit somebody, they're going to hit you back. That's just stand up for yourself. That's just the way the world is. But I told you, when you enter into God's kingdom, you find a new set of laws at work in God's kingdom. And if you try to live inside God's kingdom without working inside God's framework, you find yourself in opposition. The Bible says never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. How cool would that be? Most people know the number one reason people outside the church say they don't come to church. Anybody want to take a guess? All the what? All the hypocrites. And y'all know what I tell them. There's hypocrites at Walmart, but you go there. Don't tell them you don't go to church because all the hypocrites. There's hypocrites living in your house, but you go there. There's hypocrites living in your bedroom, but you go there. The Bible says everyone's a hypocrite. We all say one thing and do another to some degree in the world. But if, if people would be more honorable, then God's message would be heard with better clarity. If we would live what we say we believe, then God's message would go forth with better clarity and there would be less detraction to what is being said. There is an honorable way to live this life. And I want to tell you something. Most of us fall way short. And I'm including my... Anybody want to just be right there? Everybody else is just perfect? Okay, God bless you. Uh, if you're perfect, that means that you must give tithes and offerings of all that you have. And, and if you're perfect, the Bible says, if anyone asks, turn them not away. So for, all, for the 82% of the people that didn't just raise their hand and indicated they were perfect, let me say this. We spent $3,500 last week on tree work to get the bugs off the eating up the building. So for all you perfect people, I'm, I'm asking you for a check today for $3,500. And the Bible says, if I ask, do not turn me away. I'm asking you for $175,000 for a building for our community center on the parking lot next to us. And so all you perfect people to get, do everything the right way, I'm asking you for $175,000 today. So I'm going to be looking for that. And I saw everybody that didn't raise their hand. And I'm going to have the usher stop you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Y'all trying me today. There should be an honorable way to live this out. But it's not easy all the time. It's difficult. But anything worth doing is worth doing right. And if you're not willing to put in the hard work, then you're never going to get the job done. There's a generation of young people that have been raised with, perform with participation trophies and, and no scorekeeping. That's ridiculous. Why would we play a game and not keep score? I'm here to win. You're here to lose. I mean, that's just how it is. We've raised these people to think everybody's a winner and everybody should have a big house and everybody should have a $100,000 a year. So that's not the world. That's not how it works. That's not how, it never, it didn't work that way. Anybody that tells you that that's a solid economic system is a God-hating anti-Christian. God gave some people ten talents, some people five, and some people less. Everybody don't get the same stuff, but you got to do the best you can. What you have, there's an honorable way to do it. We see that played out in the first kings, the first leaders of God's nation Israel. The first king 
that the people demanded God give them because they said, we want a king like other nations have a king. And God said, no, I'm your king. And they said, no, we want a king like other nations have a king. Give us a king. And God said, okay, I'll give you a king and he'll abuse you. And he'll put you through hardship. But I'll give you a king. What was that guy's name? But then the better king came on. God's choice king came on after Saul. What was that guy's name? Okay, so we've got Saul and David. Well, Saul and David, we, we see honorable and dishonorable. Now, the reality is people like to make it about morality, but it's not about morality all the time. It's about honorability because David was more immoral, in my opinion, than Saul was. Saul was a religionist. Saul, Saul was a pretty straight-living dude. Saul, Saul kept rules and regulations. Saul, Saul dotted the eye across the T and knocked heads off. The Bible says Saul was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He was the best-looking man in the kingdom, big, strong guy. Uh, David was a scoundrel. Da- David had eight wives that we know of and, 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 a lot of, and, and a lot of hoes on the side. David had side action everywhere. <laughs> everywhere David had side action. David's family was all messed up. David had incest in his family. David had murder in his family. David walked around sometimes be, being the, the voice and the warrior of God, fighting the giant that everyone else was scared of, and other times hiding in a cave from his own son. Now, here's the thing. Now, you, you're going to live into it. You're probably going to be thicker than him for a few more years, Deke, but, but your son's already taller than you, isn't he? He, ta- he taller than you yet? Yeah, uh, and now he's off in college. He, he, hey, don't let him come home bigger than you. But, but it, I can't imagine, no matter how much bigger Marcus gets, that you're ever going to be hiding from him in a cave because you scared a little Marcus. I mean, this is David. David's just all crawling. I mean, this guy, he was filled up with issues, but as he grew in his relationship to Jehovah, he became more and more honorable. And that ought to be our goal. We ought to want to become more and more honorable as human beings. We ought to want to become more and more honorable. Turn the air on. It's, it's hot and people fan and do something about the air. Listen to what happened in First Samuel. I love First Samuel. First Samuel, it is the gladiator uh, of the Bible. It is the 300. It is the Gerard Butler section of the Bible. You really want to read something that'll fire you up? If you're one of those guys who like movies for guys or girls who like action movies, first and second Samuel, first, it's, this is some power pack stuff. And when David was hunting down, I'm over here. When David was hunting down Saul, because Saul was hunting down David, David had to drop on him. David, David, David could have took Saul out, but he didn't, and he let him know that. And in 1 Samuel 24, 17, listen to what Saul said to David. He said, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. This is the word of the Lord. So who is the more righteous person? It's the one who paid back good versus the one who paid back evil so when they get you are you gonna get them back because David said man I had you could have took you out there you were all all sitting down doing your business I I, could have took you out but I didn't and which one are you are are you the one who who digs in when you can dig in are you the one who gives grace when you don't have to the Bible points to honorability in verse 18 We get back to our opening text. 
do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Now, why, why does it say do all that you can? Because God knows this is going to try your nerves. If you can really say, I'm doing all that I can, just not to grab you by your throat right now. <laughs> A couple things you know about that person. They, they need more Holy Ghost. They, they need more time in prayer and in the Word. But you also need to know you're pushing them to a place where honorability would have you backed off. Yeah, do all that you can to live it. This screams at me. I don't know what it does for you, but this tells me some stuff. And as a Bible teaching church, I, I tell you a lot of biblical principles of how to interpret Scripture. And one of those principles is inference. You don't want to read into Scripture what is not there, but you do want to see what is clearly inferred. Exegesis is to draw out of the Scripture what it's saying. Eisegesis is to make it say what you want it to say by putting your theory into it. That's wrong. I'm not saying to eisegete Scripture. I'm saying draw out of it what is there. Inference can get you in trouble because some people try to infer stuff that's not clearly there. I see something clearly inferred here. Do all that you can. Doesn't say do all that God can do through you. It says do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Anybody see in there that's trying? That ain't always going to work out. Sometimes that's going to stress you out and make you pull your weave loose. Sometimes that's going to bug you and, and make you get, get a little off. But do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Now, if you've been saved for a decent length of time and you've learned how to lean on God, you understand that when you've done all that you can, you get Him involved in all that He can. Amen? And you learn to lean on the Lord and, and make up for this deficiency. But this is a difficult subject, and God took time to deal with it. Sometimes it's heated to keep it all together. Any parents in the room? you got to do all that you can to live with those terrorists inside your home. <laughs> I made up my decision early. I'm like, I, I love America, and, I, and I, I'm going to take the American terrorism tactic. I do not negotiate with terrorists. There's no negotiation between me and my children. I am the law. My, my house, my rules, that's it. I don't negotiate with terrorists. My, my children know they don't have a door. You, my kids can't go in their room and slam their door because they never bought a door. I bought a door. I bought a lot of doors. I bought every door in the house. And I'll take the door off the hinge. My kids don't have toys. My kids know they don't have toys they can play with. They didn't buy those toys. And if they bought those toys and they brought them into my house, they came mine by right of jurisdiction. <laughs> Possession nine-tenths of the law. But for some of y'all that negotiate with these little terrorists, I don't even know how you live in peace people in your own home going through all that. You know, ki listen, kids will try you. Not just kids, siblings will try you. Not just siblings, parents will try you. There's y'all shot, kids. I gave you one, Jake, you missed it. <laughs> parents, grandparents will try you. Schoolmates, classmates. Everybody will try you, and you got to do your best. 
to maintain the peace. And sometimes it gets difficult. Uh, we got a unique format in our church on Wednesday nights. We, 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 I used to have just like every other Wednesday night church has. Churches typically in America have uh, like Sunday morning church. And some people just do that. Mega churches do Sunday morning church, come to the big show, see the lights, camera, action, go home, we'll see you back next Sunday, yay team, and that's it. That's the whole mandate on your spirituality. Uh, real churches have midweek Bible study, and a lot of that is just like a smaller version of Sunday morning service. On Wednesday night, we do something called Abundant Life University, where we uh, have assignments and classwork for people who want to do it. Everyone doesn't have to do it, but we give out certifications for people who do the work, and we celebrate together for people who achieve that semester. And we do some open discussion, interactive format. And I want you to know that is a fine line of insanity. It is. Imagine that you already know where you want to go with a discussion you're going to have with everyone who, who works on your team or lives in your home, but you allow for input. At some point, that input's going to get sideways, and somebody's going to have to dial it back. And guess who the dial backer is in this room? Okay? So, so sometimes, uh, sometimes in discussions, th things can get chippy. And listen, and sometimes when things get chippy, I'm going to give you a secret about me. Nobody knows this. Actually, everybody knows this. If it gets too chippy, I might get chippy back. Can I be that honest? I'm not proud of that. But I'm honest about where I am. And I've told y'all from the beginning, we only have one standard and one person on the pedestal, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's foolish to put your trust in flesh because flesh will fail you. I'm a human being with, with faults and flaws, and I'm in my process just like you're in your process, and I'm trying to grow in my relationship with God just like you're in your relationship with God. Yet and still in God's divine providence and sovereignty, he gave me the microphone. And some of y'all have seen it. It never got more wild. We had one, and this lady, she'd been here like three times in her whole life, and she was sitting down right over there, and, and she started talking out, and I said, okay, well, we need to move on from that. And she said, no, we're not going to move on. I'm going to be hurt. <laughs> Go right ahead. Okay, well, thank you. And twice I tried to cut her off, and she finally said, she wanted the mic. And I'm like, we're not here to pass out microphones and give, go through all that. It's, it's not that kind of party. And y'all know that we're dealing with real human beings and real human emotion. Amen? And so sometimes, in, 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 and, and it's so funny because the, the, I told y'all Wednesday night that we've got to learn how to love God so much that we don't let our differences divide us because that's the strategy of the devil. If you were here Wednesday night, you remember that. Don't let our differences divide us because that's the strategy of the devil. And sometimes, man, when, you, when you're trying to go in the right direction, anybody ever know sometimes the harder you try to be all that God wants you to be, the tougher the pushback? You ever really get out there and start loving God, serving God, just, just committed to God all the way, you get that pushback. See, you can't fill seats up telling people that. You can't fill seats up. You can't grow a mega church telling people, now look, if you ever really sell out for Jesus, 
and you give your whole life to Jesus Christ, some things are going to get harder. Now, that's not what grows churches. You got a lot of people like these TV preachers. Come to Jesus and he'll give you double for your trouble. God about to bless you right now. You might be the janitor right now, but God about to raise you up. You might... And, and all that selling hype and hope is what's filling up churches. But be, real Christians know because they read the Bible, they found out that the realest of real Christians, Jesus Christ, died as a perfect man. The, all the apostles died serving God, broke as martyrs. Uh, the, all this hype that people are pushing now, that's not real church. And sometimes the harder you try, the more difficult that it makes. But... Sometimes in trying to facilitate open discussion, uh, I get my, my frustration up, and I actually got frustrated this Wednesday night and have had to make apologies to people for that, which anybody that knows me knows I'm the first guy to do that right off the rip, uh, and we're going to talk about that some. But so much so that I actually misquoted uh, uh, a story in the Bible that I've preached many times. Every year we have our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And every year I talk about um, why to fast and give examples of fasting. And I talk about how David, when his son was sick, uh, was fasting. And when his son died, his advisors were shocked because he cleaned himself up and went and ate. I misquoted that story Wednesday night. Some people got all wigged out about it. Um, and things happen, but... It's not always easy to balance human interaction. Is anybody hearing me? Anybody ever had human interaction that took some finessing? Anybody ever had human interaction that took some go along to get along? Anybody ever had some human interaction that took some grace and mercy and, and, and some give and some take? See, this, this is what life is all about. And we've got to learn how to do this for each other. So when... 2020 happens and when the manifestation of the vision happens for abundant life and God opens up this community center and this community in this neighborhood and people come in I want them to be able to see a better oiled machine than where we've been can anybody help me with that process in, in verse 19 it says dear friends never take revenge Never take revenge. Okay, conflict resolution gone bad. Time to take revenge. Now I've had people tell me for years that, because uh, I've been telling you, you need to hear God speak. You need to listen to God. Now I'm not talking about some James Earl Jones. Bill, stand up. I'm not talking about that. This is not CBS documentary. This is not some made-for-TV movie. I'm talking about, and I've told you, if you really want to hear what God's voice sounds like, I, I, this, this is my best example I can give you. Turn those pages. You'll hear God's voice in this book. Now, yes, God can speak to you by his spirit. Yes, God can speak to you by dreams and revelations. Yes, God can speak to you by word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of prophecy. Yes, God can speak to you by divine revelation. Uh, but the primary way that God said for himself that he has chosen to speak to us in these last days is through his word. So that's how you hear primarily the voice of the Lord. Now, the opposite, the other voice the devil, I don't know that voice as well as I know God's voice because I'm not listening for it. 
But I can give you an example of what it sounds like. Now, most people's phones don't go ring, ring, ring anymore. That's, that's old school. Y'all got some beat going on y'all's on y'all's ringer dial now, uh, depending on who's calling you. But, but here's, here's typically how the devil's voice sounds. Ring, ring. Oh, bro, you ain't even going to believe what I just heard. You're not even, hey, did you hear what I, that is the devil. That is the devil that is looking to in exact revenge. That, that somebody who's got their little feelings on their sleeve. You know what? It's hard to hurt dead people's feelings. Let me say this to all my sensitive people in here. Because John Bevere wrote a book and a series and preached all over the world and made millions of dollars on his Spirit of Offense series. Because there's so many people in churches getting offended. Well, if people in churches are Christians and they're supposed to be dead to their own flesh, how are they being so offended? How do we get so offended if we're supposed to die to ourselves and not, and not live by emotion? If we're supposed to, now the answer is obvious because I do it, you do it, we all do it. We get outside of who we're supposed to be. But when that happens, we need to make sure that we're not on that revenge mode. Why? We need to leave that to the righteous anger of God. You better leave revenge alone. Leave revenge alone. Leave that telephone alone. Don't get up. Listen, I'm going to help everybody in the room that's married or ever wants to be married. You get in an argument with your spouse, especially ladies, okay? Do not call your mother and tell her what he said to you. Because when he apologizes, and y'all have that great night of makeup, marriage, and y'all are boo and bay all over again, your mama's mad at him forever. Oh, no, he didn't say that to my little girl. And then she's putting stuff in her little girl's head. How you going to let a man, I raised you to be a strong woman. Why you didn't stab him in his eye with a hairpin? Don't bring other people into your conflict. Because when you as a saved, sanctified, fire-baptized, God-loving Christian get past your issue, you can move on. But you may have burdened them with a conflict that creates difficulty in their spirit for years to come. you got to leave all that up to God. For, for Now, we always talk about how to understand what the Scripture's saying. When the Bible uses the word for, not always, but many times, you could substitute a word there that might give you better clarity. What's that word? Because. Leave that to God because the Scriptures say, I will take revenge. Semicolon. That's punctuation. You want to pause on that punctuation. Why can I leave it in God's hands? Because he's going to handle it. God is going to handle it. One, one, of the, one of the greatest sermons ever preached by one of the greatest preachers ever preached was a man named R.G. Lee who preached payday someday. And he talked about the pain of always trying to live right and having every mistake thrown in your face, the pain of always trying to be who God wants you to be, but having people just bash on you, and they seem to succeed while you seem to fail, and that seems to be a struggle. David had that struggle in his time. We asked, why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing, and I'm up against this challenge. And, 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 he's, and the premise of his message is, there's a payday someday. One day God's going to right every wrong. Every crooked path is going to be made straight, and, and every condemning voice is going to be brought down. Now, people love to take these verses out of context. Every voice that rises up against me will be, really? 
because I hear voices rising up all the time. No weapon formed against me will probably look like you're pretty beat up from here. This is a process that may not find its completion in our lifetime. What did Dr. King say about the dream that he had? He might not even live to see it. You See, don't be one of those hateful supposed Christians. I'm going to just let the Lord get them back, and I'm going to just watch. That's not Christianity. That's hate. That's spite. And you might not live long enough to, to see your wrongs righted. But if you know you've left it in God's hands because God told you to, you're the good son. You're the good daughter. You've done what God told you to do, and you put confidence in the fact God is going to work this out. And then when he says, I will pay them back, let me tell you what every real Christian says. Don't hurt them too bad. There should be no person that's ever hurt you that you really want God to pay back. There should be no person who's ever wronged you that you really want the vengeance of God on. If you really want the vengeance of God on somebody, you haven't been delivered. And you need to let God deliver you from that. Because if we ever realize how much God has forgiven us for what we put his son through on Calvary, we will forgive every single human being who ever does anything wrong to us with no hope for God to punish them. You reap what you sow. And mercy begets mercy. But God made a promise. You don't have to right your wrong. God will do it for you. Verse 20 says, Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now, this ain't your default switch, but this is God. He said, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. Isn't that just your normal response? So, some, somebody just hates on you, trashes you, destroys something you got, and then you're like, come on over, we're grilling Saturday. See you at the barbecue. No, but that's what God said to do. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Now, this next sentence has caused so much bad thought in church, so much wrong response in church in the name of bad theology that I'm going to clear this up and we're going to get out of here. It says, in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. So here's what theologians for decades have taught church people that is wrong. Oh, be nice to them. You really want to get them back? Kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Does that sound Christian to you? Does that sound like the spirit of blessing your enemies, praying for people that hurt you? Does that sound like Jesus to you? Does that sound like that's really the, the whole attitude that underlies your reason for being kind? But this is what church people think. Well, I'm, you know what? The nicer I am to them, the more it just burns them up. That's revenge. That's hate. That's spite. And this is, oh, man, you're just going to heap burning coals of shame. Oh, they did me wrong. Pastor, you'd be so proud of me. This lady did me wrong on my job. She, she, and and, and I, I, just, I was just so sweet to her, and, and she just felt like a fool. It was great. That sounds like Christianity to you? You got a perverted version of Christianity. This is not what this passage of Scripture is saying. Uh, verse, verse 21 says, don't let evil conquer you. 
but conquer evil by doing good. And it's not saying feed into your baser. How can I really pay them back? Oh, I know what would just burn them up if I was nice to them publicly. Ooh, that's the devil. Put, put that, put that uh, commentary on the screen for me, Dick. In the Bible Knowledge Commentary, it says sometimes a per- this is describing the coals of fire on a head. Sometimes a person's fire went out when he needed to borrow some live coals to restart his fire. Giving a person coals in a pan to carry home on his head was a neighborly kind act. It made friends, not enemies. This is what it means to heap burning coals of fire on someone's head. Clear that screen because they're reading when they should be listening. Faith comes by hearing. It's not to burn, oh, kill them with kindness. That'll just tick them off. This is what's being taught. You can read that by the best commentators, names that you know. Say that in their books, and it's a lie. It's not true. It's bad theology. Jesus never meant to kill anyone with kindness. He never meant to tick anyone off because you're so nice to them. Fire was a necessity in this time you needed it to cook with and you needed it to stay warm and survive the night with and if you their their primary source of fire was coal and if you ran out of coal you couldn't cook to feed your family you couldn't keep your family warm at night and if you didn't have any you had to go get some you just couldn't starve to death and the people that you most when you are down on your most busted disgusted can't be trusted when you're out on your last dollar you 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 hopefully you go to the people that love you the most first you pull in on people you can count on we need something done around here you you, you know I'm gonna call you if I if you're in that group you go to the people you can count on first you don't expect the person you've been trashing to be your bailer outer you don't expect the person you've been bashing to be the one who bails you out. And this is, this is what it's saying, that when you had to walk around in your brokenness and in your deficit with an empty pan, they carried the pan because they cooked in that pan, they heated their homes in that pan, they carried it on their head. Eastern culture still carrying stuff on their head, water baskets, water pots, everything. Um, and they carried these coals on their head to go when someone is out there looking for coals because they have a need. And you say, hey, I got some coals for you. And you put it in their pot. Listen, you can't fill a pot to overflowing and balance it up to put it on your head. This is where it goes over the top because Jesus is always a go the second mile God. Jesus is always a do more than you thought you would do for someone in the name of love, not in the name of killing them in kindness. Jesus is always a love them beyond extravagant love. You fill that up to where it's heavy enough for them to get it on their head And then you heap it on top of their head. You give them more, and you give them more, and you give them more. And they don't leave feeling shame and guilt because you tick them off by trying to be nice to them publicly. They leave feeling the love that you gave and the shame for their action. Do you see a difference there? You're not killing someone with kindness. You're not doing something to spite someone. You're not heaping shame on them. The shame that they feel is birth from love. It is, the Bible says, the goodness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's not the shame of God. Listen to Romans 2, 4. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? You don't do kind things for people to tick them off. 
You don't do kind things to people to kill them with kindness. You don't do kind things. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to just be nice to them. I'm going to be so nice to them they can't stand it. I'm going to be so nice to them it just burns them up on the inside. Everybody's going to know I'm the good one. They're the bad. That is not Christianity. Can you see this, church? It's the goodness of the Lord that leads to repentance, and it will be your true generous love. It will be your heartfelt love. It will be the gift of love that you give to people who have opposed you that will turn them toward our God. Because if your goal is to win the argument, then your goal is self-fulfilling. But if your goal is to turn them to God, then you are walking in God's ways. And we got to get to walking in God's ways. Now, real quick, let's see how to deal with conflict with Christians because hopefully there's Christians in churches. That's primarily with lost people, but it says live at peace with everyone, so everybody's included. In Matthew 18, 15, and I'm going to blow through this to get us out of here, the Bible says if another believer, what kind of person? If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense, period. What did I say to Paul's on? punctuation if a believer sins against you go privately and point out the offense if the other person listens and confesses it you have won that person back now if you begin with the end result in mind you will see that the end result in the last phrase of this is to do what win that person back not to prove you're right and they're wrong but to win that person back. This is talking about conflict resolution. This is talking about biblical conflict resolution. This is talking about how to deal inside the church body when, when there's stuff going on. You go to that person privately. And I am teaching this on a grander scale so we will all know this for forward-moving stuff. Everything is, 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 is fine and good in my neighborhood. I want this to be out there for what's next. Say next. What's, when, when what's next comes down the road, I want us to know how to move in kingdom ways. If someone, if another believer sins against you, now that's, off, that's awful wordy right there. I could stay on that for a long time because who are you to be sinned against? All right, now you've already positioned yourself as higher than you are. If you, they sinned against me. They wronged me. Well, let me just say it how I feel it. Who is you? You all that? They sinned against you? You ever sin against anything? If another believer sins against you, go privately. Do you think that's really how most people occupy? Mm, no, that phone's ringing. Face, social media. Listen, if we had time to, to really get to honest people in the room, we'd find out there are people in this room that are in this room because somebody in the last room ticked them off and they didn't go to them and win them back. They, I'll never go back. That's the last time they'll see me in one of them purple chairs. Well, good. How do you think we've kept these purple chairs so clean for, for 18 years? We got these chairs the first year in ministry. Keep moving them out. Church folk don't do this right, and we got to learn how to do things the right way. So quit looking at your watch and hear the word of the Lord. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense so that you can win that person back. Not win who's right, who's wrong, so you can have real peace, real resolution. Now, this is in the general sense. Now, this works for church members, of which I am one. 
I'm a pastor, but I'm also a church member. I'm an overseer, but I'm also a sheep. I'm an under-shepherd, but I'm also a sheep. I, I, I am a, a, a pastor, but I'm also a learner. In my role, in my office, in my five-fold ministry gift of pastor-teacher, I am commanded in 1 Timothy 5. Put this verse on the screen in King James for me, Dick. 1 Timothy 5.20. Now, this is if you're a pastor dealing with church folk. This verse here is for everybody else. Now, if you're a pastor, because this sounds so cool. Well, that's what I always say, Pastor Scott. People should just uh, correct privately. Praise publicly and correct privately. That's what they should do. They should praise publicly and correct privately. They should just, you know, heap the praise on people in the public way. Don't ever correct them publicly because that might embarrass them. And uh, so th that's, okay, that's PC stuff. That, that, but in church, if you're the overseer, if you're the pastor, and, and you're reading God's instruction to pastors in, in 1 Timothy 5.20, can we get that? I'm going to just have to read it. Or sing my Jeopardy song. Do, 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 do. He pointed at me, said, just read it. Okay. I'm easy. Them that sin, rebuke before all that others may fear. Them that sin, rebuke before all that others may fear. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I'll use Deacon Dixon because I'm, I'm, I'm just on him today. If he did something stupid right now, I could be PC. I could be politically correct and just say, well, we love Deacon Cedric, and he's a wonderful man, and we'll discuss that in private because I only praise in public and I only correct it. No, that, if, if, I, if I'm going for, you know, in a, in a general context, that's good. But as the pastor of a church in a church setting, the Bible says, them that sin rebuke before all that others may fear. If he does something crazy right now, guess what I'm going to do? You think I'm going to rebuke him right now in front of everybody? I'm going to use it as a teaching moment because he's spiritual enough to receive the correction for your benefit. My kids have had to deal with that for years when, when I would tell them, sit up, sit straight, get your arms off the back of the chair. You ain't in a recliner. And, and, and I would use them to correct their behavior so that everybody else could learn. You don't want to be the pastor because that's a tough place to be, correcting people that you know are going to put some pushback on you. But in general relationships, in conflict negotiation, the Bible tells us to go to them with the end result in mind of winning them back and do it privately. Verse 16 in our text, Matthew 18, says, If you're unsuccessful going to them privately, take one or two others with you and go back again so everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. See, he said, she said is the poison in relationships. Well, I heard. Well, what had happened was that's the poison in relationships. That's divided more churches than anything else. Well, the way I heard it, well, the, what, what, what I think was said, no, you take two or three witnesses, you take one or two witnesses with you, not gossipers, witnesses. Okay? These are faithful people. You can only be a witness biblically if you're faithful. You, you, your, your, your word had to, had to mean something for you to be a witness in that day and age. 
So verse 17 says, if the person refuses to listen, take your case to the church. You shouldn't come to me every time you have, Pascal, I don't know if I can keep coming. That usher in the parking lot, he told me I couldn't park there. He might have been trying to keep you out of a ditch. And I think you need to say something. Uh, Pascal, one, 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 one of your members rolled their eyes at me. I don't have members. The Lord has members. I'm just here. It's not my church. It's the Lord's church. People get their feelings, and then they want to go, and, and they want to have all these problems. The Bible says if you got a problem with somebody else, who should you go to? Them. Let me tell you something. If you got a problem with them and they come to you, you've already missed your turn. Why didn't you go to them? Listen, here, here's what I hear. People say stuff, well, that's just not my personality. I'm just not, I'm, I'm just not that confronting type person. God didn't ask you what your personality was when he gave you commands. God didn't say if you're, a conf- if you're a confronting person to go to them if they've hurt your feelings. He said, no, go to them privately. They've done something you didn't like, go to them privately. This is a command of the Lord. It is not based on your personality or your comfort level. Well, I didn't think they'd listen and change anyway, so I just held my... God didn't give you the option to hold your peace. God said, go to them. Now, are we going to do what God told us to do, or are we just going to do us? You can do you, or you can do he. That is the word of the Lord. It, it doesn't say only go to the person you offended if you like conflict, if, if you think it'll help. We have an obligation as Christians, when someone has upset us, not to ring, 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 not to take vengeance, not to hold conflict, but to go to them and try to win your brother or your sister back in love. And if you're not doing that, then you're going to be the next person on, on the highway down the road. Because people like that, well, I just think maybe it's time. Maybe, maybe our season is up at, at first AME. Maybe God is leading us on. Because uh, you wouldn't do what God told you to do. God is leading you on. The God of the Bible is not schizophrenic. He's not psychotic. He, he doesn't just trample all over his own word. He says what he says, and he expects us to honor. So we got to get into this honorable aspect. And I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to anybody. Don't think I'm not. It doesn't say if you try and fail to give up. Well, I went to Cedric, and I tried to talk to him. And he wouldn't listen to me. This is an example. I, pick, I wouldn't pick on him if it was him. Then, if I went to him privately, what am I supposed to do next, church? Take a couple people with me. Now, here we come. Here come, here come me and Elder Jimmy, me and Elder Keon. And we're like, hey, man, I want to talk to you about that thing that went down. And if he won't hear us, listen, and churches don't do this in 2019. You know Why? Because they want members more than they want God's blessing. And y'all know that ain't in my frame book. I got to give an account to God for this oversight of this church. I, I'm, I'm not here for a popularity contest. That's why I don't stand at the door and shake hands and hug necks. I, I'm not, I'm not going to stand at the door and let you blow me up and tell me how much you liked or didn't like my sermon. I, I, I didn't preach it for you. I preached what God told me to preach. So people, people don't, but if, if he, if, if something happened, and I tried to talk to him about it, and he was like, bump you. Okay. I'm going to tell your wife she's going to beat you up, but that's a different point. Um, and then I could show up with two, two witnesses, two faithful witnesses. And we tried to talk to him about it, and he's like, 
I don't care what y'all say. I ain't studying that. That means I'm not considering that position at this time. Well, then we got to put him out. Because the Bible says, if they won't listen, take your case to the church. Now, I thank God that this don't happen on a regular basis in church. Could you imagine? All right, church, and this is called theologically church discipline. I thank God that this doesn't happen. Dina's laughing because she was at a church that they used to do this at, didn't they? And, and right, Time for church discipline. And they'll point out the person in the room. You have been told. You have been told by multiple witnesses. You are now being dismissed from this church. You are excommunicated. Do not come. And everybody in church says, you can't hang out with them. You can't fellowship with them. You can't talk with them. And, and just like, who would do that? People following the Bible. People doing exactly what the Scripture says. But we're scared to do that now because, well, who are we to, to what? To obey God's word? To do exactly what the Bible says? If they won't accept the church's decision that per, to treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector who the Bible says they have no fellowship with and no communication with. This is where excommunication in the church comes from. Listen, please do not put yourself in a position to have it church discipline exacted against you. And don't put me in a position to have this church exact church discipline against me because I am subject to church discipline as much as you are. But this is my pledge to you, and I'm finishing. I will listen to you. If I've ever hurt your feelings, if I've ever offended you, come to me. I will, you won't have to bring two or three people to me. You won't have to line up a campaign and a committee to oust me. All you have to do is come to me because I will tell you straight up, point blank, I was wrong, and I apologize. And if you know, see, people think that they know me, but if you know me at all, you know that. And you've seen that through the years. And this is how we need to be. Because I don't ever want to get to verse 17 myself. I don't ever want to get to verse 17 where I'm so proud and I'm so haughty and I think I know everything so much that I can't be told that I'm wrong. To the point where the elders of the church have to come to me and set me down, then the whole church has to just decide, you know, pastor finally lost it. Because there's a time and a place for that. But I don't want you to ever have to get to verse 17 either. So what do we got to do? We got to live at peace with everybody. We got to really love each other. We got to really be accepting of each other's weaknesses and faults. We, we, we've got to follow what God says. Don't let offense fester in you. Don't just sit back and stew on it. It grows. And you spread it. And it's poison. And it creates problems. And it's hurting the world. And it's limiting our reach for souls. And we got to begin to do and be all that God has called us to do and be so we can win men, women, and boys and girls to the life-changing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they've got to see difference in us. And this is hard. But this is what God has commanded us to do. The Bible tells us in Psalm 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. God wants us to be together. The power, people always talk about the power of Pentecost. The power of Pentecost was not miracles, signs, and wonders. The power of Pentecost was unity. 
The power of Pentecost was one accord. The power of Pentecost was they were together and they had all things common. God blesses this in verse 2. Two of Psalm 133 says it's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robes. This is a picture of how harmony works. This is a picture of how unity works. It's top down. It's top down. When, when, when Aaron was anointed, they poured the oil on his head and it flowed down to its beard and it spread out all across his robe to everything that touched it. Unity is a top-down flow. You got to be in unity with the top and let it flow down. That means in your home, husband and wife, you got to be in unity so it can flow down to your children. Sir, you got to be in unity so it can flow down to your wife. Wife, you got to be in unity so it can flow down to your husband because the Bible says you submit yourself one to another. It's got to be top-down flow. We are the people that God has put in dominion on this planet, God has given all authority to his children. And if we want to see this earth in harmony, if we want to see this earth in unity, it's only going to happen from top down. That's why God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, we've got to get into place where we line up right so we can get this flow right. Well, if them stupid Republicans... Well, 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 if them lazy Democrats, well, well, if them greedy independents, well, well, if the pornographer, well, if the drug, no, if God's people would line up and do what God said to do, then this unity, this harmony, the, the, what, what's the end result? Of oh, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, after we do all that stuff, we humble ourselves, we turn from our wicked ways, God will hear our prayer. He will forgive our sins, and he will bring healing to our land. This is the word of the Lord. Look at verse 3, and I'm done. Come on, Jeff. Verse 3 says, it's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. It's just all flowing down. It's all in right order. God's just pouring it out. We, we get right top down. Blessings start flowing in our lives. It starts spilling off into our children, into our community, into our cities, into our world. Why? Because there is where the Lord commands the blessing. Life evermore. I told you in the beginning, you got to start with the end in mind. The end in mind is to get to this place where God commands the blessing. The end in mind is to get to this place where, where we are walking in God's blessing. To, to get to this place of unity, to get to this place of harmony, to get to this place of oneness, to get to this place of less conflict, to get to this place of agreement, to get to this place of love as God has told us to love. Not pious love, not churchy love, not religious love looking down noses at people, but real love. One of the biggest indicators to determine how a conversation is going to go from the very beginning, hear this, it's an observation or assumption that we're not on the same team. If, 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 if Vicki and I are having a discussion and, and she thinks right off the bat that I'm not on her side, can y'all see how that makes the conversation more difficult? But if she can come to me and she knows that I love her, that I love her family, that I pray for her, and, and she knows that we're on the same team, do you see how that changes the dynamic? 
if you know you're on the same team with somebody, act like it. It'll change the dynamic of, of, of the tension. And when the tension is there, the overall understanding, we're on the same team. We're together in this. Don't op- let's don't oppose. Okay, let's, let's work it out. We're not going to agree on everything. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be frustration. There's humanity involved. There's weakness involved. But are we on the same team? If you know that, and that's why you can say, oh, man, don't mess with them Johnson. There's eight of them. They fight with each other like cats and dogs, but they won't let you fight with them. Why can't we be that way? You got to have an understanding from Jump Street that says we're on the same team. That will do more for conflict resolution than anything else. But when you come at somebody like you're not on their team, then you set up a conflict that's hard to overcome. So we got to work on these things. And we got to work inside the scripture on these things. We, 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 we got to get to the place where we recognize we're on the same team, where we do work to resolve offenses so we can dwell together in unity. So I want to ask you this this morning. Are we on the same team? Can you be on a team as a white person with a black brother or sister in Christ? Can you be on a team as a black person with a white brother or sister in Christ? As a Hispanic person with, with different ethnicity? Can you be on the same team with someone who differs from you politically? Can you be on the same team with someone who differs with you ideology? Because we live in a day and time now where, where, where the expected result is if they don't agree with me, we, we've got to hate them. I hear people saying stuff like, if you disagree with my position, you, 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 you're, you're, uh, you're doing violence against me. No, this is a disagreement. Can we be on the same team and not, listen, if somebody has to agree with everything you say to be on your team, you have no team. Because you don't agree with yourself all the time. You got to make a decision today. Are we on the same team? The only, play, the only way we're going to get to manifestation of the vision, the only way we're going to get to the end result where we truly stand before God at the end of our life and He says, well done, my good and faithful servant, the only way that that happens is if we make, our, we make it to this place of harmony and unity where God can command a blessing over our life and we can be and do all that God wants us to be and do. That can't happen if you're on your own team. So we got to get some unity. We got, we, got, we, got to get some, we got to get some resolution. We got to get to the place where we understand there's only one God to serve. And his name is not Scott. His name is not you. His name is not politics. And his name is not fame and fortune. His name is Jehovah. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he has put commands in our life that we must follow. And if we are going to be the people that God wants us to be, that we've got to get on with the getting on. We've got to decide one God to serve, one life to live. Let's do it. I am not going to put you through this long altar call I was going to put you through because I preached too long. I'm not going to. See, there's some of y'all. If you honestly think that there are not spies in the land that, that, that tell me what you say behind my back, you are missing a lot in life. If you honestly believe that you can run down the elders and the deacons of this church and it not funnel its way back to me, you are missing some key points in life. If you honestly believe you can come in here with division and discord and and, and, and conflict and people not read it on you, you're missing 
in life. I'm not going to have everybody in the room that needs to go to everybody in the room do it right now in front of this whole room. Oh, if we had more time, I would. And we've done it before. But if there's somebody that you need to go to to say, you know what? We need to squash some stuff because we're on the same team. Listen, if somebody comes to you, please do this. Make it easy on them. Would you do that? Would you make it easy on them? If somebody were to humble themselves enough to come to you and seek reconciliation, could you make it easy on them? And say, you know what? You're my brother. You're my sister. And we're on the same team. And we're going to work this out. If God's people would do that, we would be the fulfillment of what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is how the whole world will know that you're my followers. Because the way they see you loving each other. Not because they see you going to church. Not because they hear you Bible bashing them. But because of the way you love one another. One God to serve. One life to live. It can't be lived right. With divided loyalty. We got to love God and we got to love each other. That's what Jesus said was the greatest commandments of them all. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for solutions, God, to every problem. God, I pray that you would help me to grow more, to be less frustrated, to, 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 to be drawn in to less peripheral things and to let my whole focus be on you. Help us, God, to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, help us to love each other the way you've commanded us to. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would bring such a unity in this place that the blessing that you would command would overwhelm us and would flow out into this community, into the world, so that the world would know that there is one true God. You are the living God. You're the only God. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us and your spirit to live inside us to guide us, Father. I pray for every person who's ever been offended, God, that they would choose reconciliation over offense. I pray for every person who has is, who is ever offended someone, God, that they would choose reconciliation over offense. God, I pray that you would help us to walk in grace and give each other space for mistakes, give each other space for difficulty and love to cover all sins. We love you, God, and we thank you for covering our sins with your love, and we commit, God, to serve you with everything that we have because you alone are worthy. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for salvation, healing, and deliverance. God, I pray that today would be a monumental day in my life and in the life of this church where our unity would catapult, God. I pray for supernatural, divine, Holy Ghost increase of unity. I pray for supernatural, divine, Holy Ghost increase of harmony. And I pray for your divine blessing on this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.